what I really, really like want people to know is that like one of the biggest things that I learned is like to learn from other people. Um, don't go into a situation like thinking that you're some kind of like hero or anything because if you go in like that, you're really not going to um, give yourself the space and the opportunities to learn from people. You're listening to Seeking Refuge, a podcast about the human stories behind refugees. Our host for this week is Aiden Thomason. Okay, so today we're here with Becca Bennett, a junior international studies major here at the University of South Carolina. Our focus this season is on the city of Clarkston, Georgia, and Becca's passion for refugees came from her travels to Clarkston. So she's here to tell us a little bit about her experience there and how it changed her life. So, hey, Becca, um, can you introduce yourself for our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hey, Aiden. Thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Becca Bennett. Uh, like Aiden said, I'm a junior international studies major at South Carolina. Um, I am from the Charleston area and um, I spent my last summer living in Clarkston, Georgia and working and living with the community there. And I really just um, fell in love with refugees and I noticed a huge need. Um, And yeah, that's kind of where my passion really developed and I'm excited to see uh, where I end up in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's really awesome. So could you tell us your first involvement with the refugee community? So like what, what first pinpointed your involvement? Yeah, so it was actually really random. Um, I'm a part of Shannon College Ministry and last spring, so spring of 2019, um, I decided to go on like this spring break trip that they were doing. Um, and it was pretty much just like a learning trip to learn about um, the refugees that live in Clarkston and just the community in general. And I hadn't really made any plans for spring break and I was like, you know what, like if I don't do something, I'm going to probably do nothing. And so I decided to go and I just, I spent time um, in the homes of um, different refugee families and um, I was specifically working with a lady from Syria and I was helping her with conversational English. Um, She has a couple kids who Um, one is in middle school and one's in college and um, she really expressed to me that people really at least like on the American side of things you know people don't exactly come and uh, rush to help anyone learn English or really just to create community with um, people who are from other countries so internationals um, on U.S. soil and I was kind of awestruck by that a bit because you know, I see a ton of like just different, I don't know, church groups and other kind of advocacy groups going to other countries and taking pictures. And so I was surprised to hear that people like once they got back to the United States really didn't care. And um, it was really frustrating for me. And I didn't know that it was a problem until I heard it from her own perspective. And so from that point on, I really was kind of like, Becca, like, what do you really want to do with your life? And like, is it, is it something that is going to only benefit you or is it something that is going to benefit other people? 
And so I kind of decided that I really didn't want to waste my life, just kind of going towards like selfish motivations and things. And so I decided that um, I was going to kind of take a little bit of a bigger step into the community of Clarkston. And so I decided to go this past summer and I lived there and, you know, I just, I loved on my friends who lived there and um, got to know the community and um, saw even further of a need than originally. So before you went, did you know anything about refugees going into it or were you completely blind on that first trip? Um, Yeah, so I knew uh, like a a decent, I would say like what the, maybe not what the average American knows, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, But I knew what a refugee was and what it, um, you know, like the standards required to meet refugee status. And um, I had a pretty decent understanding of the scope of the issue and um, the the numbers of it. I knew a lot of the numbers, um, but I hadn't really ever put faces to those numbers and human beings to those numbers. And so, yeah, I knew a little bit, but I would not say that I was well-educated. And I think that that is a very common thing, especially in um, the American population. And I would even go, I mean, I'm not saying that older people like know more than college students, but I think that a lot of college students tend to be like politically inactive and think that it's kind of a waste of time. But I, I don't know if if a college student is listening to this and they want a challenge, you know, I would challenge them to kind of look into these things because even though these issues don't feel like they touch you, they, they touch somebody and you have the ability to help or to at least be an advocate. So what do you wish people our age knew about refugees that you think maybe they don't, or is there anything that you found out the first time you were there that you wish you'd known? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if there's like one specific thing, but I once again I just think a lot of us tend to stick our heads in the sand and occupy our time um with other things that um we might not want to admit are less important, but in the grand scheme of things are less important. So, what was Clarkston like for you as someone who's not from there? So like how would you describe it to someone who's never been? So whenever I talk about Clarkston to really anybody, I kind of tell them that it's like you're in a foreign country, but it's not just one country. It's a ton of different countries. And yeah, so one of the like big things that is different about Clarkston that really isn't something that you see outside of there, outside of other like extremely diverse communities is the like sheer amount of languages that are spoken there. So I want to say... 60 different languages are spoken in Clarkston, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But yeah, so in Clarkston, over 60 different languages are spoken in like one square mile, which, yeah, it, like it's not, it's not normal. And so I, I think that that's one of the things that I like to point out pretty much immediately um, is the fact that there is such diversity within like that one tiny little spot, you know, and so Another thing, so something that, I mean, is common on college campuses, but isn't necessarily common, like, in American culture is just, like, walking everywhere. People in Clarkson, like, man, man, do they walk, like, and, I mean, there's really no excuse not to if you live there, like, you, (laughs) it's 1.1 square miles, and so that was actually one of my favorite things about Clarkson is just, like, being able to kind of see the community, um, you know, with, with feet on the ground. But yeah, so I would say to put my answer concisely, I would describe Clarkston as 
like you're stepping foot in a different country that has 60 different languages spoken within that 1.1 square mile. And yeah, if you go to Clarkson, like you are hopefully going to love it. But yeah, just the diversity, I think, is like almost unmatched. My first trip to Clarkston was actually this year, this January, and I definitely agree with with what you said about the diversity, and it's just, it's really a unique place, and you do feel like you've gone somewhere else. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful community, and lots, lots of steps. <laughs> yeah, and like in the summertime, so you went in January, um, but like, man, in the summer, Clarkston is bustling from like 7 a.m. to like when it gets dark out. Things are always going on. People are always out and about and yeah, you know, everyone is like very quick to offer you a smile and yeah, I would just say that like, that's another one of my favorite things about Clarkston. So after your first trip last year, you said you went with a program called Jensen for the summer. So can you talk about what that was like being there for a long term? Yeah, um, I don't usually do things that put me super far out of my comfort zone and that isn't because I don't try but it is because I'm like pretty um versatile I would say when it comes to being comfortable I yeah I'm an extrovert and so it was like it wasn't like intimidating for me to go like I wasn't nervous about it but once I got there it blew away my expectation I grew up in the south and I like I know southern hospitality but Southern hospitality in no way compares to the hospitality of people from all around the world, especially um, in Clarkston. I just would say that like living there for, I only lived there for like two or two and a half months. I don't know like the exact number, but just in that time there, you know, I made so many friends and people were just so kind to me and um, welcoming. And I thought that like, maybe I was going to go there and like get to teach people English and stuff like that and like get a little bit of that. But I think more than I was teaching anyone, I was learning. Um, And that is like probably my biggest takeaway from the summer. It's like you can think that you're going into a situation with the intent to like teach somebody or um, to be in like some kind of like position where people are learning from you. But I think the, the biggest thing that I learned was that I need to understand that one, I don't know everything, but two, people with different perspectives have so much to offer and um, that's something that I really um, got an incredible chance to listen to this summer. I heard so many different stories, and um, I would say, like, one of the biggest things that I did was, like, learn um, from people and, and learn that what we think of refugees when we hear that in the media is not what a refugee is. And honestly, like, the way that the media portrays refugees and immigrants in general um, is toxic. And I would go as far as to say not only the media, but even people who are leaders of um, our country say things that are damaging to communities like Clarkston. And so that is, I would honestly slash everything that I said before. The biggest thing that, that I probably learned and saw firsthand was that the things that are in the media and the things that our state and um, national leaders say about refugees and immigrants is not beneficial to those communities and harmful to them. So going off of that a little bit, um, you were not always an international studies major, right? So what practically changed in your life when you came back from spending the summer in Clarkston? Um, so, I mean, definitely the, the biggest like first change that I made. I, so I was a sport and entertainment management major. I wanted to work for the PGA. I love golf and I still love golf, but I just felt like a bigger 
or a different purpose for my life. And so I came home, I talked to my parents. Actually, I spent um, a lot of the summer really like wrestling with that um, because I kind of felt in my heart, I was like, Becca, like if you want to be able to do this and do this well, you need to be equipped to. And my degree was not doing that. And so I kind of wrestled with it all summer because I, I'm pretty stubborn sometimes. And so I was like, man, I can just like get this piece of paper and then do whatever I want to do and help people or blah, blah, blah. You know, it was kind of a silly mindset, but yeah. So I came home, um, after a summer of just wrestling with it and seeking answers from the Lord about it. And I told my parents, I was like, Hey mom, Hey dad, I want to change my major. And I was really nervous to tell them, but uh, my parents have always been really supportive of me. And they understood that it's something that I had thought through and it wasn't anything on a whim. Um, and so, yeah, the first big thing that I did was I changed my major. And then another thing that I really did is I started kind of leveraging not only um, just like my daily life and my relationships with other people, but I also kind of started leveraging my social media platforms to really like share the plight of the refugee and share um, how people, especially um, I am a Christian. And so especially what, people who follow Jesus Christ should, how they should look at a refugee and what, what the Bible really says about refugees and immigrants. So yeah, I would say the two biggest things that I did is I, I changed my major to international studies. I, I really love it. I have no regrets. And yeah, the second thing that I did is I really just started kind of leveraging my life and my social media to push the word out and the truth out about what it is to be a refugee and um, how you can advocate for refugees and love them well. So, yeah. So I'm going to jump forward a little bit in time. So this March, you led a trip back to Clarkston that I was really yeah. lucky to go on. And another member of our team, Tyler, got to go on it too. What was that like for you to go back and to this time be in a leadership position over your peers and to watch other people from USC and from other schools get to experience Clarkston for the first time? Yeah, so I, uh, well, first, I kind of go back to Clarkston pretty often. Um, I usually uh, like travel to the like metro Atlanta area once a month, and um, I always go by Clarkston when I'm there, and I go get coffee at Refuge, and I, I always hope that Ollie is working, um, but yeah, so it was, honestly, it was a huge blessing to be able to lead that trip and bring people from USC into Clarkston and um, have them learn about what it means to be a refugee. But yeah, so it was really cool um, just kind of being there. And, you know, I know what it was like for me the first time that I went to Clarkston and kind of began to see the full picture of the life of a refugee and the, the trials that they go through. And I knew how much that it broke my heart. And so I was very thankful to be there um, and be able to talk to other people from USC and uh, really see their hearts change to begin to understand like what it really does mean to be a refugee. I keep saying what it means to be a refugee, but I think that is like a first step in, in loving someone is understanding where they come from. Just what are your ideas for um, life in the future? Um, yeah, so I don't think it's like a scary question because um, I've thought a lot about it and I kind of have an idea of what might be in store. I do know that um, I want to get my master's degree. I haven't figured out what I want to get it in yet, um, 
after um, undergrad or after grad school, I definitely would like to go into some form of foreign aid work. And I think after that, I think it would be really cool. I don't know how long I'm going to be um, abroad, but I think it would be really cool to come back to the U.S. And I think it would be really cool um, to get a law degree and um, practice immigration law. Um, I think that's something that is really interesting to me and something that I am passionate about and would really love to do if I was going to be in the United States long term because I believe wholeheartedly in immigration reform. Yeah, I just want to see people's lives change for the better and I want to fight for what I believe is right and true and just and really know that I'm going to be in some kind of position of um, learning from people and also advocating for people who can't necessarily advocate for themselves. Um, so I think that's about all the questions I had for you. Is there anything, lastly, that you want to tell um, anyone who might be listening to this, anything that's on your mind? Well, everyone knows like the COVID-19 um, pandemic is happening right now. And you might not see a lot of this in the news, but it is starting to ravage refugee communities um, across the world. Um, and so one, like if you are religious, like pray for them, but also like guys, I know that like money is tight and that kind of thing, but like if you can donate, donate. But also I know that there are plenty of um, organizations, I know around Colombia at least, there are organizations that are collecting food to give to refugee families. And, you know, so if you can't help um, internationally with the, the refugee camps that are being ravaged by coronavirus and at least like try and help um, your local community. But please, like if the media is not talking about it, talk about it. Don't let these kinds of things get swept under the rug. Yeah. Do you know off the top of your head any specific charities that are in the Columbia area at least? Yeah, so I actually know um, that um, the church that I go to, Shannon Baptist, on this Monday, actually, so this podcast might be out, and if you listen to it immediately, maybe you can ravage your cabinet. And I think it might be every Monday from there on out, is going to be doing a like collection at the church, and so you can come and drop off food, and, like obviously non-perishable food, and that kind of stuff to the church, and they are distributing it not only to Richland, one and two um, families, like kids who go to those schools, um, but also to refugee families in the Columbia area. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Seeking Refuge. If you want to get into contact with us, you can email us at seekingrefugepodcast at gmail.com or follow us at refugepodcast on Twitter. Thank you to Becca for taking the time to talk with us this week. For more information on where to support refugees during this time, you can check the description of this episode. A huge thanks to Maxi International House for making this show possible. Again, this show comes out every two weeks, so subscribe and we'll see you in the next one.